she actually is here today, but we've actually got a video of Kylie Great. Peterson doing the Bible reading for us. Hi everyone, I'm Kylie. I'm going to be reading the Bible for us today. Uh, my family and I are really excited about next week that we get to gather together and we get to see you all. So we're looking forward to that. So the first reading is from 1 Kings uh, chapter 17, starting at verse 7. So this is a passage in the Old Testament that uh, Jesus is going to reference in our second reading in the book of Luke. So 1 Kings 17, starting at verse 7. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have instructed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, And bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and for your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Our second reading is in the New Testament in the book of Luke, uh, chapter 4, and we're going to read from verse 14. So Luke chapter 4, starting at verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked? Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. And you will tell me, Do here in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. Truly I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, 
Yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman, the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the city was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. Morning, everyone. Uh, yeah, I'm really excited uh, to be here this morning uh, to be able to open up God's word uh, with you. Um, I'm really looking forward to, yeah, hopefully this being the last kind of only live stream service that we run. Hopefully that's the last time we do that for a long time at least. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to uh, gathering with many of you next week um, and, and catching up and seeing you face to face. That would be really fantastic. So I'm excited uh, about that. But as we get into God's word, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we pray now that you, as we listen to your word, uh, that you would open our eyes and that you would soften our hearts uh, to see the truth of your word. Uh, Father, we pray that this morning you might help us see afresh the might and majesty of Jesus and, and just how wonderful a news that he brings um, to an otherwise hopeless world. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, two weeks ago, on the 11th of October, New South Wales celebrated Freedom Day. So on the 11th of October, we hit 70% double vaccinations. So a bunch of restrictions were eased for those who had been vaccinated. Retail stores were allowed to open again to the public. Hospitality venues were allowed to have uh, diners again. People could work out at gyms. You know, hairdressers were allowed to operate again. Uh, so yeah, you, you saw a lot of people saying goodbye to their lockdown locks. That's the news that's been dominating the headlines for the past few weeks in New South Wales. Now, don't get me wrong, these freedoms are great, they're fantastic. And personally, I really loved the opportunity last weekend to see my newborn nephew in the flesh for the first time. That was a great joy for me. But the thing is, we're only going back to what we already had prior to this whole kind of pandemic thing. And even then, we're kind of far from the normal of those pre-pandemic days. The freedom we've spoken about, they're only limited to some. And along with that, although things have eased, there's still plenty of restrictions in place. But that's the extent of the good news that we've been hearing for the past few weeks. And just this week, after hitting 80% vax rate, there's been a further easing of restrictions. And one of those uh, uh, joys that we get is that we now get to have a drink standing up. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We get to have a drink standing up. You heard me right. Uh, is it just me or am I missing something here? So, whoa, yes, 80%. Now we get to have a coldie standing up. Yes. Yes. Look, I'm sure that for, for some people, that's going to bring them a lot of joy. But if that's the extent of the good news that we have right now, then to be honest, 
I'm a little underwhelmed. Now, thankfully, as we continue in our journey through the Gospel of Luke, we are presented with news which is much better than the freedom talk that we've been hearing in the media recently. We've entitled this series in Luke, Best News Ever. And I truly believe that in the Gospel of Jesus, we really do have the best news that there is. So today, as we explore Jesus' words in Luke chapter 4, there will be an opportunity for you not only to hear about this wonderful news, but to respond to it and receive all the benefits of it for yourself. Now, just to catch you up with where we've been up to in the book of Luke, uh, already we've seen Jesus baptised, and at his baptism, uh, two key details emerge. So firstly... Uh, Jesus, as he begins his public ministry, he goes out with the full blessing of God the Father. Jesus is God's beloved son whom he loves. He's the long-awaited king. And secondly, that Jesus' life would be guided and sustained by the Spirit of God. We see the Spirit descend on Jesus at his baptism. We see him empower Jesus Uh, during his temptation at the hands of the devil. And here, as he ministers in the region of Galilee, we're reminded once again that the Spirit of God is right there with Jesus, empowering him for all that he does. So Jesus is God's man, and he's got the Holy Spirit right there with him. And as Jesus goes out and does his thing around the region, his fame really starts to spread. So check out Luke uh, chapter uh, chapter 4, verse 14 and 15. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. You know, in Mark's Gospel, we hear about Jesus performing a number of miracles. Uh, He's been healing the sick, he's been driving out demons, um, and he's been doing all that while he's been in Capernaum. And so now, back in his hometown of Nazareth, all that news about him being a miracle worker has spread there. He's the talk of the town. So if he was around today, then he'd definitely be trending on Twitter. But it wasn't just his miracles that the people were astonished by. It was also his teaching that the people just couldn't get enough of. With all the fanfare about Jesus, it's no wonder that he gets invited to teach in the synagogue in Nazareth. He's the hometown hero and the people just can't get enough of him. Now, at this point... Uh, in the synagogue, the the narrative really slows down. Uh, And the purpose of this is to focus our attention on the part of Isaiah that Jesus is going to be reading from. So let's pick it up at verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. 
So Jesus takes the scroll, he unrolls it, and he starts reading from Isaiah chapter 61, and everyone is fully focused on him. He's the center of attention, and everyone is hanging off his every word. And when we consider Isaiah chapter 61, it's a huge passage. It's a triumphal passage. It's on about the reversal of fortunes for the downtrodden. It speaks of a time when the servant of God would come and proclaim freedom for the captives and release for the prisoners. It speaks about a time when God's favour would return to the people. It speaks about a time when God would rescue his people and bring comfort to them. Jesus reads out Isaiah 61 to the people um, in the synagogue and, and they are absolutely loving it. And just at that moment when he has their utmost attention, he drops a bit of a bombshell on them. Verse 21, he says, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. You know what Jesus is saying there? He's saying that all those amazing things spoken about in Isaiah 61, it's all about him. Jesus is saying that the consolation of Israel, when God's favour and salvation would come to his people, it all finds its fulfilment in him. He is the servant of the Lord who was to proclaim the good news of God to the entire world. Jesus saw himself as coming with good news for the troubled people of the world. Jesus' job was to proclaim the good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. His job was to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Jesus came bearing good news, the best news in fact. Now it would be helpful for us now to dig a little further into these words that Jesus quotes from Isaiah to understand more fully just how good the news of Jesus really is. Much has been made of these words of Jesus. Uh, since they come at the start of his ministry and due to the nature of what he says, many view it as a bit of a mission statement from Jesus. And lots of people want to jump on these words of Jesus and, and pin him down as a bit of an activist. He does, after all, speak about the poor and setting captives and prisoners free. Was Jesus simply a forerunner to, say, the human rights movement? If he was, then that would make him, at best, okay news. But I want to suggest to you that the good news of Jesus goes far beyond him simply being an activist for the poor. To be sure, Jesus does care for the downtrodden. That much is obvious in his dealings with others and, and with the compassion that he displays when he relates to other people. In his ministry, he does heal people. And yet even those healings, they point to a greater reality than just the physical act itself. We've seen already that Isaiah 61, it pictures this grand, this huge moment when God's favour would return to his people. It speaks of a time when his rescue and salvation 
would come to the people and, and that this great reversal would take place. Isaiah 61 is a grand picture of renewal and restoration. The picture, certainly, the picture given certainly goes beyond helping some poor people and speaking up for the oppressed. The scale of it just is so much bigger than that. Moreover, in every instance, when Luke uses the word for freedom and setting the oppressed free, so be, be it in the Gospel of Luke or, or in Acts, he uses that word to refer to the forgiveness of sins. The good news that Jesus was sent to preach is the fact that in him is forgiveness. He has come to the world. To, he's come into this world that is aching and without hope, and his message is that there is hope. He's come to proclaim that good times are here because God has come to save his people. Jesus is the focal point of this good news because not only does he proclaim it, but he's the one that enables it. He's the one that brings about God's salvation in his life and ministry, but ultimately at his death and resurrection. At the cross, Jesus takes all our guilt, all our rebellion, all our wrongdoing. He takes all that onto himself and he takes it all and suffers in our place. He did it just as Isaiah had predicted the servant of God would do. Jesus took up our pain. He bore our suffering. He was pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. And it is by his wounds that we are healed. Jesus dies for the lowly, the poor in spirit, the downtrodden, the poor and oppressed, those who have no hope. He suffered for you and for me because he knew that there was no other way by which we could be saved. That was Jesus' life and mission. Can you see just how good that news is? It's not just good news, it is great news. It's fantastic news. If you are someone who's just heard this news for the first time, then grab it and, and take hold of it and receive all the blessings that come from uh, knowing Christ. Forgiveness, eternal life, hope, love, mercy. The, the list goes on and on. And if you're someone who already knows, knows Jesus, I hope that you've been reminded just again, again, just how good the gospel of Jesus is. You know, our, our friends and family they're mourning, they're hurting, they're lost. We've been some, through somewhat of a crisis recently. It's got many people reevaluating life's big questions. As Christians, we've got the best news ever to an otherwise hopeless world. If you truly believe that, then isn't it worth sharing? You know, with so many people wondering what life is about, Let's offer them the life-giving message of Jesus and the salvation that comes from knowing him. Now, back to the story in Luke. Um, so far, we've noticed just how positive a reaction the people of um, Jesus' hometown show him. But things start to change a little bit when Jesus starts making these big claims about himself. So look at verse 22. 
um, the people of Nazareth are themselves, isn't this Joseph's son? Are they questioning whether Jesus, the local boy who, who they'd seen grow up from infancy, how could he possibly do or say or be all those things that he's spoken about? Or maybe they're being a little dismissive of his words, kind of not really listening to him, not really taking them in, and instead thinking that because he is the local boy, then surely Jesus will have our backs. Maybe they have a sense of entitlement or ownership of Jesus because he is Joseph's boy after all. Now, Jesus recognizes their hardness of heart and he provokes them further. He verbalizes for us what they're thinking in their hearts. So verse 23, Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself, and you will tell me, Do here in your hometown what we've heard that you did in Capernaum. Now, the proverb itself, it's a bit tricky to work out what it actually means, but it probably goes something along the lines of, come on, Jesus, look after your own. Share the love and give us a piece of the action too. And the second part of verse 23, um, it shares a similar sentiment. Come on, Jesus, you've been working wonders over in Capernaum. Surely we deserve some special treatment uh, in your hometown. So Jesus acknowledges their hardness of heart by saying that no prophet is accepted in his hometown. Uh, Jesus then gives two examples from the Old Testament to explain further what he means. Uh, so the first example uh, comes from the time of Elijah, and that was read out earlier by Kylie. Uh, during Elijah's time, there was a drought and famine in the land. And Jesus tells us that there were many widows in Israel during Elijah's time, but that he wasn't sent to any of them. Instead, he was sent to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. So that's Sidon, which wasn't a part of Israel, but was Gentile land. That's who Elijah was sent to. The story is a fascinating one. It's quite sad, actually. Uh, we meet this widow who's got nothing, and she comes across Elijah and tells him that um, she's literally um, about to eat her last meal. She's got a little bit of flour uh, and some olive oil, and she's going home to cook up some bread so that she can eat it with her son and then die. They're desperate. They've got nothing. They're about to die. Um, and along comes Elijah and says to her, kind of, oh, good, any chance that you could share some of that bread with me as well? Now, they're, they're my words, not his actual words. Uh, but Elijah reassures her by saying that this is the plan of God and that if she uh, follows as, if she does as he instructs, um, then the flour and oil won't run out for the whole duration of the drought. Now, does anyone remember the Tim Tam ad uh, with the genie and that packet of Tim Tams that kind of never runs out? Anyway, uh, it reminded me of that. Uh, that's not important. What's important is that Elijah, kind of who he went to, he didn't go to a widow amongst his own people. He instead went to a widow in Zarephath, a Gentile. And notice to her situation, she's poor. 
She only has enough for one last meal. She's downtrodden. She's broken. She knew that she didn't have anything to offer God. But she was the one who God chose to bless. In her humble, broken state, she was able to trust in God. Now, the other story relates to Elisha, who follows on from Elijah. Uh, Again, we don't have time to look at this in detail, but again, it's a a really fascinating read. Go check it out for yourself in your own time. You can find it in 2 Kings chapter 5. So there's there's this guy called Naaman. Uh, Naaman, he's the commander of the army for the king of Aram. Uh, So that made Naaman a Syrian. So again, not a Jew, but a Gentile. Uh, And Naaman was a really good commander. He was respected by his people and the fellow soldiers. But the problem he had was that he had leprosy. And again, Jesus makes the point. During the time of Elisha, there were many amongst the Jews who had leprosy. But Elisha wasn't sent to any of them. Instead, he was sent to Naaman, the Syrian. So long story short, Naaman is eventually healed of his leprosy after his encounter with Elisha. Now, Naaman, he wasn't financially poor. He wasn't economically poor. Uh, Presumably, he would have been fairly well off being the commander of the army. But he was needy because of his sickness, because of his leprosy. There was no cure for leprosy, and so he was desperate. But he was able to humble himself before Elisha and God, and he was healed as a result. Now, these two stories about Elijah and Elisha, they really tick the people of Nazareth off. I'm not normally one for a meme, uh, but this one seems pretty appropriate at the time. Things really do seem to escalate really quickly. Um, The people of Nazareth... They have gone from praising uh, Jesus, um, hanging on to his every word, to wanting to throw him off a cliff and kill him. What went wrong there for the people of Nazareth? Well, it seems to me that they simply wondered at Jesus' teaching without ever taking it to heart. They seemed to presume on God's mercy, almost believing it was theirs by right. There was a strong sense of entitlement when it came to Jesus because he was Joseph's son after all. When we come to Jesus, we must come to him on his terms. He's the Lord. He's the King. He is the one that determines the basis of our our relationship with him and not the other way around. Jesus has come bearing good news, the best news, in fact. He comes proclaiming the favour of God. He proclaims um, salvation for all who put their trust in him. He comes to the poor, not to the self-sufficient, not to the rich, not to those who think they've already made it, not to the already liberated or free, But Jesus comes to those who know they have nothing before God, but are willing to acknowledge that before him. If that is you, then there is great news because through Jesus, we have hope and salvation and riches. 
And maybe you're not there yet when it comes to Jesus. Can I encourage you to keep asking those questions of Jesus? Who he is and what he's done for you. You know, the people of uh, Nazareth in the end there, it literally became a lynch mob. There, there were probably a number of people there that day who didn't even know the reason why they wanted to kill Jesus. If you're still working out this whole Jesus thing, keep at it. Don't just follow the crowd when it comes to your assessment of Jesus. He's too important to pass off like that. Too many people just follow what others think when it comes to Jesus. Other people I've seen leave their assessment to Jesus. Um, They leave it back with their childhood self and, and the bits of information that they picked up ages ago. If that's you, then I think you owe it to your adult self to revisit Jesus again with a fresh set of eyes. And for the rest of us who do believe in Jesus, let's preach it. In Jesus, we've got the best news ever. And right now, as people are emerging from lockdown, you know, everyone's asking one another what they've been up to and what you're looking forward to. And aside from the general chit-chat, Why not say to that person how you've been catching church online and how you've been hearing about how great a saviour we have in Jesus? You know, share something about uh, Jesus and the difference that he has made to you and your life in amongst this turmoil and how excited you are to return to church and see your church family again. And that's right now... um, But there's going to be plenty of opportunities in the coming months to share about Jesus. As I said, lots of people right now are asking the bigger questions in life. Make the most of those renewed opportunities. Christmas, it isn't too far away. Let's use that as an opportunity to speak about the great gift of Jesus and the salvation that comes from knowing him. And don't do it just because it's the right thing to do. Do it because it's great news. It's good news. As we proclaim the good news about Jesus, let us never take the grace of God ourselves for granted. Let us always recognize our lowly state before God. And let us stay grounded and humble so that the goodness of God and his mercy towards us would shine ever brighter in our lives. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you that right now is the time of your favour. Father, thank you for the salvation and redemption that comes from knowing Jesus. Um, Father, thanks for this good news. And Lord, as we think about our friends and family, may you strengthen us to share this great news with them. And Lord, all the while, pray that you might keep us grounded and humble, never forgetting your love and your grace and your mercy and your kindness towards us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.